Hi everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. Countries are taking steps to reopen their borders in phases and slowly allow movement among citizens. While we are all ready to find our new normal and rebuild our economies, it is important to understand that there is still so much about the coronavirus that we just don't know. We all need to be vigilant about getting the facts and making smart adjustments to our daily lives. In this episode, an infectious disease expert, Dr. Lane Rowling, joins me to talk about the coronavirus and the things we need to keep in mind as we seek to find new structure in our everyday routine. Hi everyone, welcome back to RX Rounds. This is a special episode because we're rounding up our COVID-19 series with a amazing guest. Dr. Lane Rowling, and he has accolades of the wazoo. I already told you guys that he is an infectious disease and tropical pathology expert. He's also on the COVID-19 Congressional Task Force. So we're going to get all the information from him today, and I want to let him introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about himself. Hey, Dr. Rowling. Hey, everybody. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, And I, you know, Looking forward to talking to everybody out there, your international listeners to your national listeners and stuff. And, you know, what can I say about myself? My, 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 I call myself Dr. Push-Ups. My whole life is defined of doing push-ups, and this is my moment in time. You know, when I got my first microscope at five years of age and my BS in microbiology and chemistry and my minor in military science, you know, chemical biological warfare officer, master's degree in cellular molecular genetics, medical school, surgery program, Hawaii, professor of pathogen virology in Germany, director of clinical education research in, uh, in Peru for 20 years. Hey, I'm certified in biochemical warfare, wanted only 1% of the people on the planet. I think I know diseases pretty well. And girl, where's my big shark at? <laughs> I'll be coming to get you, so we'll go to Maracas Bay and get the best bacon shark you ever had, okay? Promise. I, I, thank you very much, and I look forward to a relationship <laughs> as a colleague. Awesome. So you went to medical school in Antigua. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, you know, one of the things is that, uh, you know, the military, the U.S. Army wants us to be the best trained people in the world. And so this was an opportunity I got uh, because one of the things I liked about uh, going to Antigua was that I spent two years doing a fellowship uh, in infectious diseases Mm -hmm. in Peru. And that was one of the the things they offered me when I went to uh, University of Health Science Antigua was the ability to go and spend two years doing infectious diseases in Peru in, in, in the Petri dish. It was the best training in the world. And so this is what gives me the capabilities of what when I talk about diseases is that I'm not one of the guys on CNN. I'm not uh, Sanjay Gupta. I can't even pronounce his name. You know, you know, the Mara, they be talking about Captain Crunch. And he's an expert in Captain Crunch. He's a neurosurgeon. You know, my sister, the chief of OB at Baylor, uh, and she's uh, and she's not talking about infectious disease. So a lot of people got in their lanes that they're not supposed to be in their lanes. And one of the things I tell folks is that what makes me different and why I got assigned to the, the National COVID Healthcare Task Force, I got put on the National COVID Healthcare, the National Healthcare Task Force for AIDS, 
I'm the medical advisor that was last week in COVID relationship, how it affects the HIV patient. And so uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it comes about your experience. And when I talk to people about my life and why, what makes you good in life, and this is for all the people out there, is that what makes you good in life is your experience. You know, when, you, when I've dealt with epidemics, I've dealt with uh, Zika infections, I've written papers on Zika infections, I've, uh, I've treated people with malaria, all four different types of malaria, dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, rabies, and all that other stuff. I've had the experience now. I'm not talking about reading a book or a National Geographic magazine. I lived it. I've been on the boats in the jungles, and I've, and I've, and I, uh, I've gone four or five hours on a boat with my crew, and we jump off of the boat, and the water's up to my waist. And everybody's scared because we know we've got piranhas in there. And we walk through the water, and we get onto the land, and then we hike eight, nine hours into the jungle and go to a village and treat three, four, five hundred people sometimes. Kids with swollen bellies with parasitic and women with urinary tract infections and malaria outbreaks. And I'm in the, I'm in the field. You know, we have no power uh, in these, some of these spaces. And we have a microscope as uh, it works off this, the, uh, the solar panel. That's how we function, taking blood from real patients and looking at and diagnosing these diseases in the field. So what, we, what I really call it is I'm a clinical field uh, pathologist, infectious disease expert. I mean, this is what I do. I'm not some guy at Harvard in a classroom become an expert on writing on HIV. They never seen an HIV patient in their life. So this is one of the things that gives me the capabilities to understand how this pandemic is going to play out, understanding the genetics of the virus, you know, understanding the science behind the virus, and try to keep the politics out of it. So I have to keep it real, and I'm going to keep it real because I'm not a talking yet. I, I don't answer to anybody. And so I want, before we get started, I want folks to understand, if you understand the science, you understand the medicine. For you to understand medicine, you have to understand the science. There's no, there's no speculation. There's no, I got to feel good. It's going to go away. I, I, you, no. And, uh, and that's just the way it is. So I'm here to answer folks' questions. And I look forward to you coming back in three weeks and doing, a, doing another show. So Perfect. go ahead. Awesome. Well, we have some questions from some of the islands. And the first one I want to touch on is because we've seen a lot of the larger countries have huger impacts in terms of deaths in, in, with coronavirus. How badly are the islands going to get a, affected with a second wave? Absolutely. I've been to St. Lucia's. I've been to Barbados. I've been to Antigua. I've been to St. John's. I've been to Trinidad Tobago. And I've seen cases. I've seen chicken guna cases. And folks, you have to realize that the island is a very vulnerable population. And the reason why you guys are not having the numbers you have is one, is you guys not doing the confirmational tests. You, and the second thing, you're, they don't want to know because I understand it. You know, you know, working in Peru and the jungles and stuff, and, uh, you know, and I've done HIV lectures at the medical school, Grand Rounds in Antigua. Uh, you know, as an infectious disease specialist, it's bad for your, you don't, you don't put out there, hey, you know, we got a Zika infection uh, in, in, in St. Lucia's and people are not going to come. It's about tourism. You don't put out there, we got a dengue outbreak. <laughs> we have a, you know, we have, you know, a malaria outbreak. You don't put that out there. So you guys, the numbers are not there because you're not doing the test. And so the islands is, I'm, I'm going to tell folks now, 
The island is infected. You just don't know about it. And guess what? The second wave is coming. And we, they, we looked at the model two days ago, and the numbers from two days ago up until August 10th, there will be 100,000 Americans plus going to be dead. I'm not talking about 100,000. They already made the projection. Starting June 1st, about 3,000 Americans every day until August. And that might be extended out more, but I can guarantee you by December, we should be up to about 250,000 people died. Do you have access to the testing? Right. So you talk about testing being important. So those who were tested and tested positive, do you think they will be reinfected with the second wave? Probably will be. And because we've had people that uh, in this early stage of disease, people had the disease, they're positive, and, most, and, they, and they get reinfected again. We just had thought that just a week ago with, uh, I think it was, yeah, five of our uh, Navy shipmen on the aircraft carrier Roosevelt. These guys had the infection, went through the whole process, recovered, and they got reinfected again. And the reason why is that there's almost 40 different strains of this virus. Wow. When you understand that, you know, and this is understanding the science, and when you understand the science, nobody can argue with you. And if you understand this, this, uh, this coronavirus, COVID-19, it's not a new virus. It's been around since 1960. You know, it's been in bats for 50 million years. And, but this is the largest RNA virus on the planet, and it uh, has a lot of mutagenic capability. So from the Wuhan strain back in September, August, more than likely, it's probably longer than that. Before that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just the way it works, is that this virus is already mutated in 40 different strains. And we know exactly where the mutations, because we look at your genetic information, and you can look it up in the mutations in a gene called D614G. The gene is called D614G. And this is most, one of the most important proteins on an infectious virus like this coronavirus, because it allows attached to the ACE2 receptors in the body. Your eyes, your kidneys, your lungs, your, you know, the, your testicles, your ovaries, your gastrointestinal tract, your heart, your lungs. Your, uh, your arterial system. So this virus is mutated. It's an RNA virus. It's very uh, mutagenic. And that's why we don't have vaccinations for influenza, uh, Ebola, dengue, Zika, because it's an RNA virus, which is much more unstable. And that's part of the characteristics of an RNA virus. So you talk about these 40 strains. Man, that's... Uh... Wow, that's kind of overwhelming to hear. But would you say because of the fewer deaths that we have in the Caribbean that they have a milder strain? Well, when, it, when, when, it, when this particular COVID-19 came out uh, in January, February, the initial strain, I mean, you know, you have serotypes, you have strains. Every time an RNA virus replicates, it's a mutation because mm -hmm. the RNA cannot read the mutation. You know, G goes to C, A goes to T. We know basic genetics. Well, you know, sometimes you get a one of the, you know, A goes to U well, or T. That's not right. And the body corrects that. Well, with RNA viruses, they don't have that capability. They like that. It's part of their, their evolutionary, uh, of their other evolutionary pattern. So what happens? So the, the virus mutated from uh, uh, Wuhan. And the only reason they really know that because they can track people's cell phones. And, you know, they tracked all these Chinese people going to Trinidad, Tobago, Peru, South America, Disneyland, Mardi Gras, Vancouver, Europe, 
Spain, Milan. Man, these guys are vectors carrying that disease and they spread it all over the place. Well, as they're spreading it and it's mixing with other people uh, and as it's getting stronger and it's jumping from person to person to person, uh, making itself more modified, making itself more infectious, you get mutation. And so now we know, now we know the fact that we're up to 40 different strains. Two weeks ago it was 33 strains and three weeks before that was eight strains. And that's the difficulty in understanding the antibody test. CDC just came out just two days ago. Hey, 50% of all the tests is unreliable. That's CDC. And they were the ones that messed it up in the beginning because their mm -hmm. tests failed on everybody. So it tells you where we're going. And I want people to understand, if you have, if you have a test to test the people in the islands, you know, Trinidad, Tobago, Antigua, well, guess what, folks? You have to have all the strains in that assay, that kit. Because you might, in Trinidad, Tobago, they might have, uh, you know, COVID-19 strain 45. And maybe in St. Lucia's is strain, is COVID-19 strain 32. And then maybe in uh, Barbados is the Asian strain. Maybe they have the New York strain in one person. So for you to have a, a, a complete antibody test, you have to have all 40 strains. And let me give everybody an example of this. Had a company out of London, England. They sent me 500 kits. I'm talking for dengue. I'm supposed to be the modern kit. This is about a year, year and a half ago. They sent me the kits because I test kits for companies in the field on real patients. So, hey, I got the kits. I said, this would be a great donation to the hospital here in Iquitos, Peru. So I take, you know, I go to get, and I get in their town. I'm, you know, I take five of the kits from my, you know, I take them to the hospital. And we had a patient. I mean, I, I got the lab results. The guy's PCR positive for dengue. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're PCR positive, you, you got the disease. So I go, wow, this guy's on a, this guy's on a ventilator. His platelet is about, one, one, I think his platelet was like 75,000 because that's what viruses do. They, they bleach you out, you know? And so we got this patient. And so I brought these kids to the hospital with my team. And I said, okay, and I had three guys on my team that they had dengue before. So this test was supposed to be dengue, IgG, and IgG. So I got the perfect place to test this kid out. So we take the patient, prick his finger, take his blood, we put it on the, the test kit, and it came back negative. Then we took the doctors, my buddies, they had it, and they survived and did them looking for IgG. Nobody had it. So we're all in the hospital room looking at each other going, this got to be something going on. This came from England. So I went back to the hotel. I grabbed a couple more kits, came back the next day, and we did the whole procedure again. Guess what happened? All of them were negative. And it's all these people had dengue positive by PCO. So what did I learn from that? And what happened was that some of these folks that make these like people in London, they didn't get the dengue strain that was circulating in South America. They got their strain that came from Africa. And I'm going, so what does the African strain have to do with the dengue Asian strain? It's not going to work. And that is the problem. And I didn't want to tell this company, man, your kits have failed because their stock would have went right out. They had a big business. I didn't say a word, but I have all the pictures, the kit, the I, I mean, I can write a great paper on that. So this is the same phenomenon based off of my experience. The reason why the assays, the antibody tests do not work 
It's not me. CDC said it because you do not have all the strains in the kit. Wow. So hearing that, they're saying the whole idea of herd immunity is going to cover everybody. We're going to survive if we have herd immunity to this virus. How is that possible if it keeps mutating? Well, you know, mutations, you have some strains that are going to mutate. They're going to be more serious. Some strains might become weaker. But when we define what herd immunity is, herd immunity in the world of infectious disease is when you look at a pandemic, means that 65 to 75% of the people on the planet have been exposed to it. The United States, 65 to 75% of people in America got it, you got herd immunity. Sweden, that's how you find how a pandemic plays out. Well, when we look at what we've seen so far worldwide, we're only still in the single digits. We're like 10. Mm -hmm. Well, people in the United States have been affected worldwide. So what do we have to go to get herd immunity? 60%. So you take 60% of American population, 360 million people, that's how many people got to get exposed. And along that road, some people are going to get sick. Some people are going to recover. Some people are going to die. Some people, just that's just the nature of the beast of understanding what a pandemic is. And so that's why, you know, we're still at the beginning of the, the first wave of the pandemic, which is usually 25% of the population. Now, the, 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 a good example of that is what they did in Sweden. Sweden had this nonchalant attitude, you know, we're not going to stop, we're not going to quarantine anybody, you can go to school, you can go to movies, we're going to do everything normal. And guess what happened last week? 305 persons per 100,000, highest death rate in Europe now. System shut down, schools are shut down, and the government made a mistake. And the same thing they did in the UK. If you have that type of attitude, you better have a control thing, because if not, you're gonna have hundreds of thousands of people on ventilators, and your system's gonna collapse. We know what's happening out there, we're just bringing that second wave closer. So don't be surprised in 14 days here in the United States, the system collapses just because everybody's not wearing. You see what's happening. People not wearing masks. They ain't washing the money. They're breathing the air in. They're not doing the basic security protocols to protect themselves. And that makes other people vulnerable. Then the last thing I'll give it on, on, on pandemics, because you talk about herd immunity. One of Oh, when an infection or a pandemic is over, is what we do. A lot of people don't understand in the world of infectious diseases. What we look at is the sewage. We look at the fecal virus. So we'll take Dow's tests and we'll go down wherever the sewage is. We'll go and test the sewage and look for viruses in the feces. The virus lasts 35 days in the feces. And so the same thing in Pakistan. We had a polio outbreak. So we measure the concentration of virus in the feces, treated everybody with the oral uh, vaccine for polio. And over time, as everybody got immunized, guess what? We checked the feces, the sewage, and there's no viruses in it. So this is part of the process of really understanding. So when the feces in a particular area does not have any COVID-19 in the sewage, then you know the, the, the infection's gone. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about hand washing because some people seem to think it's not important and we've had a lot of viruses before we had HIV and nobody said about hand washing so why is this such a big deal 
Well, when we look at the, uh, you know, in my world, hand washing is important because I deal with some of the, you know, I'm a, I'm a surgeon, I'm an infectious disease guy, I'm in a laboratory, you know, I, I see a lot of infections. So for us, we all have a thing we call the solution to pollution is dilution. That's how we wash our hands. But when you wash your hands, you have to have, you know, the right stuff to wash your hands. You know, simply wash your hands with soap and water just not, does not get it, folks. Because if I do surgery or my sister's delivering a baby, we don't, we don't wash your hands in soap and water. We don't sterile, I don't sterilize a, a womb to do surgery on with soap and water. We use stuff like my stuff, like, uh, you know, uh, safer hands, uh, you know, uh, what I created for washing your hands. And it's chlorhexidine. And you can have your folks look at it. They can go to saferhands.us, safer, S-A-F-E-R, H-A-N-D-S dot U-S. And you can see all the, the antiseptic hand wash that I have for adults and for children. And the bottom line, when we look at the transmission of this disease, is that 60 to 70% of the disease itself is through air. You cough, you, you sneeze, uh, the virus gets on your hand, uh, people talk, the virus lasts in the air for 14 minutes. That's one you go to the six feet social distancing doesn't, in my book, is, is absolutely just stupid because the virus can go more than six feet and go 12 feet and go 15 feet. Gets up in the air conditioner at, uh, at Denny's, everybody's infected. Gets up in the air conditioner nursing home, everybody's infected. Airplane, everybody's infected. And then the, the second biggest transmission mode is through feces. 20% on that range of the cases is through feces. And the, then the virus lives in the feces for 35 days. And that is a smart strategy of an individual organism to affect other people. Air and feces. And we know that people don't wash their hands. People, people by nature are nasty. You go in the bathroom, watch them, they'll go in there and take a big old dump, come on out, they'll touch the door handle, talking about their constitutional rights. They'll touch the rail, sit down at the table, touch the money, touch the credit card, touch the door handle, touch the chair, and they spread that stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's facts. And then when we talk about our children, you know, when you look at our stuff, we have pediatric antiseptic hand wash, is that the children have to protect themselves. And we have a character called Uncle Kuski. And Uncle Kuski, mm-hmm. he's a he talked. He had. We have a comic book on showing the kids on how to uh, wash their hands because nobody's talking to the children. Everybody's talking about adults. We're not talking about the vulnerable population. Is our children? We have to teach our children how to wash their hands and stuff. So that's that's another important process. But one of the front lines defense is part of what we call biosecurity and biosafety protocols. Clean hands, safe hands, save lives. That's the reality of it. And if you, your hands are clean, you can decrease a lot of the transmission of diseases. You have somebody in your house that's affected with COVID-19. Uh, somebody in a public bathroom, they flush that bathroom toilet, that stuff becomes aerolized. goes all over the place. It's on the floor. It's on the door handle. It's on the toilet. It's on the, I mean, it gets into your air vent, and it can circulate everywhere because of the fan in the bathroom. Wow. So this 
Oh, wow. Well, we're going to put all the information about Safer Hands on our website and at, onto this episode as well. Let's transition to the kids. We're seeing um, pediatric inflammatory multisystem syndrome that kind of looks like Kawasaki's disease. Is there a specific strain associated with this? What, what no is particular- this? Now, well, cool, you know, Kawasaki uh, syndrome is a multi-systemic inflammatory syndrome. They had over 400 kids in Louisiana tested positive Kawasaki syndrome. It's there. It's a complication. Kids are dying from it, 9, 7, 12 years old, of having heart attacks. If your child has a swollen tongue, they got conjunctivitis, eyes are red, have a fever for five days, they have a rash, pain in their legs, pain in their bodies, they have Kawasaki syndrome. And you better get them into the hospital. And this is when we talk about understanding children, our children are a vulnerable population. So this is the consequences But people, well, you know, I don't have to practice biosafe protocols of for children because they're not immune, they're immune to this. No, they're not. They, they will die from disease. They might not have the frontline classic, what you have, uh, you know, pulmonary insult, ventilation, and all that stuff but they get into secondary complication of COVID-19 in children. And that makes sense because their immune system is a little bit more different than their adult. But we need to understand that comes to our children, the black kids are the ones being infected by the vast majority of these cases. And so that's another thing we have to understand and teach our kids on how to wash their hands because kids are notoriously bad at washing their hands. So they need to meet Uncle Kuski. Uncle Kuski gonna teach them how to wash their hands Great stuff, the same thing that Dr. Rowling uses in his laboratories. Same stuff I use in OR is the same thing that you're going to have. You're going to have the best, and that's what we got to have because our children are a vulnerable population. When kids go back to school, we have to have protocols. Boys and girls, how do you wash your hands? Well, Uncle Kutz is going to show you the boys and girls how to wash their hands and understand biosecurity, how to put on a mask, you know. Hey, Mickey Mouse don't got nothing on Uncle Kuski. Kuski <laughs> got a belly, he got a top hat and a cane, got his white gloves on, some red tennis shoes. He's a dapper. That's your uncle. So he's All right a- now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the... Co- All right, they, they go to Safer Hands, uh, say, they go to Safer dot uh, us you can meet uncle kusi on there and i'll send you i'll send you the one of the cartoons and you can share that with your people on how uncle kusi teaches them how to wash their hands yes i think it's beautiful <laughs> i think that'll be great i'll definitely share that on our page and on our website um so a lot of the islands are opening back up you know and i'm a i'm a little bit skeptical i'm gonna say because not everybody's moving around what are your well, thoughts? Well, let's keep it real. You want me to give you the Dr. Roland version or you want me to give you the Mickey Mouse version? I don't do Mickey Mouse on the RX rounds. We want the Dr. Roland <laughs> version, okay? <laughs> well, I understand that people have to get back to work. Economies. I understand tourism is a big thing in the islands. I love the islands. I understand that whole culture, how it was established three or 400 years ago. Yeah. And so tourism is a huge thing. But for you to have tourism, you have to have biosecurity protocols in place if, if you're taking a chance of opening up. Because, you, because if you're not, you're going to increase the way people are going to get infected. That's just a fact. 
So you better make sure that you have great air filtration, great hand washing techniques, how you're sterilizing your hotel rooms. Is the stuff you're using actually really kill COVID-19? If you have a systemic protocol based off of organized, you can probably safely open up. But if you're just out there free willing, out there just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this, you're going to lose. Because we have a saying, never bet against the bars. Mm. So you better have the best antiseptic hand wash. You better have a protocol on how to, uh, how do your employees handle it? Maybe that person that's coming to the island is a source of the infection. Well, let's talk about Columbus. He brought measles and smallpox to the Indians and wiped them all out. You know, and that's just the way it is. You know, old world meets new world. New world meets old world. And so if you're going to do that, we have to have a systematic plan on opening up and stuff. Do you have a full body decontamination unit where people go in the, go in the airport, they're decontaminated? People that are leaving off the plane and going out into the public, are they decontaminated? Hmm. And I don't, don't have that because I'm part of the team that invented this stuff. And so we have these type of units and stuff. What are you using to surface disinfect hotel rooms? Well, I guarantee you, they're not using what I use or my people use because we're the only people that have the white paper and done the test and taken a, a, the best test in the world. We went to a nursing home, 52 people were infected. We did RT-PCR. They had COVID-19 on the toilets, the bathroom, under the toilet, on the wall, on the bed. And then we did this file, PCR, verified 100%, and then got the patient out there and we decontaminated the whole building with our stuff gone did a pcr after that only paper on the planet that has been tested against COVID 19. not a coronavirus similar but the actual virus that is doing the damage in the world right now that's time are your people wearing shoes in your house you never wear your shoes in the house because you can get COVID 19 that way you got a dog hey dogs go out there they do their thing dogs can track COVID 19 on their feet you know, and so when you talk about opening up the, the economy, what are you doing to disinfect people's shoes? They go into your restaurant on the islands to get some, get some uh, you know, jerk chicken. What are you doing to disinfect people's feet? Because if the biggest vector besides your hands is also the bottom of your shoes. So people don't think like that. So when I look at disease, I look at every aspect from the pen that you have to the water bottle that you have, the car keys that you have, and people don't, the menus that you have in the restaurants, are they, are they disinfecting the menus? I mean, wow. what are they doing? Are they disinfecting the new high tech? You got to touch the screen to write your name. I guarantee you they're not doing that because they can't see the virus. So I'm not moving until you move, okay? <laughs> so well, let I, me know when you start traveling. <laughs> yeah, when I start traveling, when, when, Dr., when Dr. Roland starts traveling, then you need to travel. All and right. I travel, I spend 156 days a year at the Hilton Hotels all over the world. And so I'm staying put for right now. And that's just the way it is. And when I start flying, you start flying. If I'm not moving, you don't move. That's just the way it is. Because I know what's coming. Wow. So there have been a lot of things circling social media about alkalining your diet and taking more vitamin C and all of these other things to prevent getting the virus. Give us the Dr. Roland version. No, your immune system is what you've got. 
You're not changing anything. Uh, and you know your pharmacist, so you know medication. I've taken molecular pharmacology in my time. So I know how things work at the molecular level when it comes to medications, receptors, binding to, you know, it's all about receptors anyway. But the bottom line at the end of the day, is it good for people to take a vitamin? I think absolutely. You should take a nutritional supplement just to keep yourself, you know, prime a little bit. But is it going to make a difference? You drinking a whole gallon of vitamin D or drinking some a whole case of orange juice for vitamin C? Is that come on, guys. Mickey Mouse, he's in quarantine right now, so it it, it don't work. So the bottom line is that if you have a good diet, you're not immunocompromised. If you're immunocompromised, i.e., you have cancer and you're, you need nutritional stuff, and you understand nutrition as somebody with cancer, because you're a pharmacist. We have a catabolic state and an anabolic state. When you get cancer, cancer is eating all your protein, your minerals. So if you have a cancer, that is somebody that definitely needs to be taking multivitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D as a supplement, because that's what the cancer is doing. If somebody has an, an infection, chronic, like HIV, that is somebody that needs to make sure their immune systems are perked up because they're already losing it because they're fighting that battle every day. You know, that, you know, that is something I recommend and I wouldn't change that in a million years. That's just common sense types of stuff. But you drink juju juice from Africa, and yeah, that ain't happening. I am so grateful to have you to answer these questions because I've been talking about this for a while, a couple weeks. And one of the questions that I got today and I was like, really guys, I've been saying this. Is there a cure for coronavirus? No, and there never will be a cure for coronavirus. This coronavirus is smart. This coronavirus is, uh, lives in bats. It lives in pigs, cows, ducks, water birds, horses, uh, monkeys. It's been around for 50 million years. So what do you think, something been around for 50 million years, did you think you're gonna come here you only been around for a couple hundred years, you're going to take this guy out the set. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. This thing is an evolutionary gene, just like Ebola, HIV, dengue. I mean, we spent 30 years doing research on HIV, all the money in the world, and guess what? They still got no vaccination for HIV. I'm sorry, folks, it's not going to happen. When they start talking about pushing this vaccine on people, and we understand the healthcare disparities among minorities, um, uh, Mexican-Americans, uh, Indian-Americans, uh, black folks and stuff. You, we, we already know the shot's not going to work, period, just like the flu. I mean, the flu shot, CDC says it's 25% accurate. Well, it's really probably 10%. But why do people take it when the other 85% of the people that get it don't work? That's the, you, you, you didn't go to pharmacy school with a 15 average and got out of pharmacy school. I didn't get a 15% on my survey exams and do survey. So that doesn't make any sense. That tells you the ram of this virus. And this virus has a lot of different strains. So when you come up with a shot, that shot better have every strain in it. Like I gave you examples of the assay, it's not going to work. And I'm telling people now, and I will say this, I will say this because this is my responsibility to make sure that my people this time around, we're going to be taken care of. We're not going to be the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. In 1932, where they injected, the CDC injected black people with syphilis and studied them for 40 years. You know how much horrific that is? That's awful. So I tell people this time, you don't get that, sh that vaccination first. You let Trump and his family get it. 
You let the Bill Gates and all them guys get that shot, their grandchildren, then y'all, I will read the white paper in a year and I'll let you know what the results were. This is one time you want to be on the back of the bus, folks. Don't, <laughs> don't let them come to your neighborhood talking about, hey, we're here to help you now. We know we couldn't get you to test in the beginning. They won. But we have the shot for you now. Hmm. Uh, I got a problem with that. Like them guys in France talking about they're going to go to Africa and, and, test. and test people. I, I tell people, let them white boys test all them French people, them children. A UK, they can drink all the tea they want. And they can drink tea and inject them among themselves. This time, my people, we're going to be in the back of the bus. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the one driving the bus this time. Mm-hmm. I won't let them on until I know. <laughs> I love to hear from you and how candid and open you are about telling us the truth about this virus and what we need to do in our communities to help our people. Well, let's keep it real. I mean, uh, that's when I got put on the, uh, the, the COVID healthcare task force by, you know, uh, Rep, uh, Chairman Hardaway. He asked me that question. I said, why do you want to come and get me? I'm a nobody. And he says, come on, doc. We've already, we've already uh, vetted you. You wanted the baddest dude on the planet. Ain't nobody got your qualification. I'm sorry. It's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reality is that I'm not on CNN and Fox. I don't give a damn about being on CNN and Fox. And you guys know what's happening. They're all just talking among themselves, opinions and stuff. And that's gotten a lot of people killed. And so I put people in body bags. I know what it is when a mother screams and wishing, praying her God and falling out on the floor in a hospital room and her baby's dead talking about she wish she can go back to yesterday when my baby was alive. Dr. Rowland, why can't I go back to last week when my baby's dead? That stuff scars you. I've seen it. I've smelt it. And so you can't tell me about some feel-good Mickey Mouse stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, I'm the wrong person. I am not the Pillsbury Doughboy or Teddy Bear. You're not going to poke me in my stomach. I'm going to go, ooh-wee, I like it. You might lose your arm. Hmm. That's how. Well, thank you. I think I got through most of the questions and you covered a lot of stuff that I had to ask as well. So any closing words for our folks in Trinidad and Jamaica and Antigua and wherever you've visited so far? Yeah, my folks in in Trinidad and Antigua and the islands and stuff. But Dr. Chocolat, they come to the islands. You got to treat me well. I we got the, you. I want the accurate from everybody. <laughs> Ooh, beans and rice and all that stuff. Y'all treat me good. I look forward to visiting everybody. I'm looking forward to providing you guys with the most latest up-to-date information based off of science. Yes. And feel good. And I'm going to keep it real. If you don't want me on here, I'm the wrong person. You want me to keep it real? I'm going to keep it real. And I look forward to coming back in three weeks and bringing you folks some updates. And maybe we can talk about the pools. Because pools are now. Everybody want to go out there and lay out like baked chicken. Yeah, you might be baking all right. You might bake you some coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a next one because we're going to head back to People going to parties, people going to the beach, going to pools, going to just open events, sporting events, and not realizing how this 
viruses being transferred. You know, I'm sure a lot of folks are now getting that they, it's transferred on their shoes, their feces. These things we're not being told all the time. So I'm looking forward to coming back in three weeks. I hope this has been fun. Just me and you chit chat, fireside girl. We talked about we talked about coconut milk. <laughs> we gotta take you to Trinidad, bring you over to the savannah, have some coconut water, then take you to Maracas, get you the bacon shark, doubles, roti. Just let me know when you're ready. When you're ready to travel, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna have to have the Trinidad rum too. And the rum, oh. That's, that's not a problem at all. Well, folks, we're going to be following up with Dr. Rowling in a few weeks. So if you have any more questions, feel free to send them through our website, rxrounds.com, or on our Facebook page. For more information about Safe Hands Save Lives, visit saferhands.us or check out our website. We'll have all the links listed there. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll see you next rounds on RX Rounds.